0: Good evening. Welcome to Nighttime. I'm Dave Wager from the Relate 365 Leadership Team, your host for the next half hour. We're hoping that God will use this time to help you unwind from the business of this day and begin to prepare for tomorrow. Often, When we start the process of going to sleep, we can take a moment to reflect on the day and see how we responded to the various people and situations we encountered. Hopefully, you're able to live and not just endure this day. Each night as we start our time together, I want to remind you of some critical thoughts that so often get lost in the plethora of stimuli we seem immersed in. God is a God of love, and He loves you. And He has a plan, and you can be in His plan if you want to be. If you had trouble finding God today, it was because you did not truly seek Him. If for some reason you're angry, disappointed, or choosing to disobey God, you don't know Him. If you've been following the nighttime programs, you realize that I've been reading through a series called Beyond the Deception, Learning to Defend the Truth. It's a book I wrote to help people understand how to deal with the deceptions in our life. Basically going through the biblical books of Jude and Second Peter with some other references scattered throughout. This book is called Beyond the Deception, one of the books in what we call the Intimate Warrior series. The thought for the ninth day starts with a title that says sometimes going to church seems like a waste of time. I'm sure with a title like that you begin to think that maybe Dave's a heretic and that may be I guess one day we'll know. But all we can do in this life is talk about what we have read and understood and hopefully we understand more as we get older. And the honest truth is that sometimes going to church seems like a waste of time. Even though I'd like to go on public record as saying it is not and should not be a waste of time. Titus 3, 9 11, says this. Do not get involved in foolish discussions about spiritual pedigree or in quarrels and fights about the obedience to Jewish laws. These things are useless and a waste of time. If people are causing division among you, give a first and a second warning. After that, have nothing more to do with them for people like that have turned away from the truth and their own sins condemn them again that was Titus 3 9 through 11 certainly in the early church they were tougher on its members than we are today perhaps the early church thought it had something to guard something that was really special that needed protection perhaps the early church was focused and functional and wanted to keep it that way. It seems so easy to get into endless discussions about things that are relatively unimportant. We can talk about our spiritual pedigrees or how we believe in giving 15% of our income to church rather than only 10%. And in the end, we accomplish nothing concerning kingdom purposes. The fact is that much of what goes on in most churches is a waste of time. We gather a group of people in beautiful buildings, give them songs and speeches they like to hear. When things start to get personal, we get angry and try to make things more to our liking or more generic. We talk of tolerance, love, and mercy as if they were licenses for sin and stupidity. In some respects, we have turned the church into nothing more than a Christian United Nations assembly where we are trying to achieve peace on earth by gaining the consensus of humanity rather than evoking, following, and trusting in the power of God. Much of our discussions are a waste of time and only widen the divisions within the true church. It is interesting that Paul warns Titus against such people who are so into personal agendas and interpretations that they end up dividing the troops. He tells Titus to warn them several times, but also commands Titus to have nothing more to do with them when it becomes evident that they will not listen. This sounds harsh. Yet the church is not a political machine. It's the body of Christ on earth. We are not about the unimportant. We are about the most important. The sad reality is that most people will not even recognize the dividers in a church, for they have come to accept such behavior as the norm. What is your church really about? What difference would it make if the doors of your church were closed? How would the purposes of the king be hampered because you no longer existed. People with personal agendas, not driven by the Holy Spirit, should not be driving the purposes, plans, and procedures of our churches. I recently read some survey results about what was going on in a local church. It seems, at least according to those results, that 92% of the people who claim to be born-again believers do not live according to Christian worldviews. Those who live in a way that are dividing our churches must either repent or be removed if our churches are to become a mighty force in God's hand again. Where are you? What is going on in your church? Throughout the reading of this book, which was written really to help young people understand how to look at God's Word and think about it and journal their thoughts, I end each chapter with a piece of a truth puzzle. This chapter is ended with this comment. The body parts are useful only if they are in total and immediate obedience to the signal from the brain. Observing other body parts is not as important as responding to the brain. If you've just joined us listening, this is Dave Wager coming to you from the studios on the campus of Silver Birch Ranch in White Lake, Wisconsin. And this program is called Nighttime, where we get to pause for a few minutes and rethink our day and think about thoughts that are important to think about as we go to sleep or unwind at the end of a day. I realize this style is not for everybody. and. There's many that fall asleep while they listen, and that's a good thing, I think. You'll have to go to relate365.com and download the version again so that you can hear it again until you can hear the whole thing. I do love to talk to young people about the concept of the body and the body of Christ and the importance of each part. Listening to the brain. God really only asked me to do one thing, listen to the brain, listen to him. I don't need to decide the eventual outcome, and I can't really make things happen, only God can do that. When I think about the body analogy, I realize how simple and perfect it really is. I don't really want my hands to listen to my feet. I don't want my hands to impress my feet. I would like my hands to have unfettered access to my brain and do exactly what the brain tells it to do at any given moment. It's the brain's job to make the hands and the feet and the knee and the elbow and the wrist to work together that's not my job my job is to make sure that I have unfettered access to the brain that's my job as a person is to make sure that I have access to hearing the voice of God if I neglect that then I might be doing things that don't fit into the body I might be a distraction to the body. You could think if I'm sitting here and talking to you on the radio, or whatever means you're listening to, how distracting it would be if my right arm started to wave above my head and snap my fingers. If I was making a serious point and that was going on, it would be most distracting. I think in the modern church there are often times that are distracting because we have people who have made church about themselves rather than making it about God. They have made it a democracy rather than a theocracy. They have made it about what they like and what they feel they like rather than what is true. I think it's important that as we go to church that we go to church in order to show the world who God is in order to hear from those who are in the leadership the under shepherds and encourage them to talk to us honestly about the life that they see and the things that they understand I've said it so often but as it's told us in 2nd Timothy chapter 4 The Apostle Paul tells young Timothy to reprove and rebuke and exhort with great patience. That's what should be going on at church. Certainly there's nothing evil about affirmation, but to affirm people who are doing things that are not right is extremely dangerous both to the body of Christ and to that individual. we need to make sure that that doesn't happen affirmation needs to be based on truth honesty it's important that all that we do is based on what we're hoping and our hope is in Christ not in our efforts or our methods again I'm Dave Wager going through the book Beyond the Deception a series of books that fall under the title of Intimate Warrior Series they're available at our website at relate365.com they're a good way to go through the Bible and just think through some issues that are brought out in the scriptures I recently read a review of some Homeschoolers that were using it as their daily devotions to help them see what the Word of God is saying and How to interact with it Each of the books and there's four of them are divided into 21 thoughts And each of the thoughts have some pages where you can write your own thoughts and sit and meditate on things It's interesting to me how the world has taken some of the concepts in scripture and warped them. If I say things like meditate on God's word, there are some critics out there who claim that I'm falling into the camp of chanting and meditation, and yet it's clear throughout the Bible that we need to think about what God has said so that we can apply it to our lives. This very nighttime program is an example of an effort to get us to think about wholesome and right and good things that God has taught us and respond to that. Joshua says that this word of the Lord shall not depart from his mouth, but he needs to meditate on it day and night so that he can be successful at what he does. Of all the things in this world that you cheat time away from, spending time in God's Word should not be one of them. Because it's His Word that feeds us in a healthy way. It's His Word that guides and directs us. Chapter 10 in the book Beyond the Deception starts with a caption that says, Can God... That doesn't say that. It says, God can use donkeys to speak for him. I really need to make myself more available to him. Some people think it's an impressive thing to be able to stand in front of people and give a message, or even to sit here on the radio and talk about things for it seems like endless hours. It's not overly impressive because the company that those of us who teach God's Word have are just a bunch of normal people and even a donkey at one time. I remember for a while I carried a picture of a donkey in my Bible and I would look at it before I'd go up and speak to a group. It was my way of reminding myself that the important thing is to let God speak through you. And that really anybody can have that happen, including a donkey. Second Peter 1, 3-4, the New Living Translation says this, By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Again, that was 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. We have received everything we need for living a godly life by coming to know God. Imagine that. God actually has given me what I need. I really do not need a computer to live a godly life, or money, or a nice home, or power, or fancy clothes, or anything else. God is the one who equips me, and he does so as I seek him. It's so easy to make excuses for my lack of service or effectiveness. I so often want to say that I would do better if I could speak better, had more education, or had a few more resources so that I could share a little more. I am plainly deceived when I think that I will be used of God someday when I gain something that he can use. God uses what is available. Those who are intimate with him those who make themselves usable vessels. When Jesus fed 5,000, he used loaves and fishes of a little boy. When people came to Jesus with nothing but faith, when all they could do was squeeze through a crowd and touch his garment, that was all that was necessary. God does the impossible. He just asks us of our own free will to place ourselves in a position where he can use. When you think about the many he used in scripture, you stand in awe at the wonderful things he accomplished with such ungifted, untalented, unexceptional individuals. Moses was an abandoned child who did not seem gifted in leadership. That he led and is considered one of the greatest leaders in history. David was a little shepherd boy. Daniel and his buddies were captured and put through the brainwashing program. Paul, the man who wrote much of the New Testament under the influence of the Holy Spirit, considered himself the chief of all sinners. There was a time when God brought water out of a rock. There was a time where God used a donkey to speak for him. God has no need of my talent or ability, yet he desires my intimacy and obedience. I'm certain that I could be more effective in changing the world if I were more talented, if I had a higher profile, if I had a better command of the English language. But those are all excuses, a deceptive smokescreen eagerly supplied by Satan himself. God can and will use me as I know Him, love Him, and make myself available to Him. I am most thankful that He does not leave the efficientness or the effectiveness of the ministry up to me. You know, it's hard in our lives not to elevate ourselves to a status that is unhealthy. And any elevation is unhealthy. We are the created beings, not the creator. We are the ones that make ourselves available. We don't set the agenda. We're known as bond servants or slaves. Which means that we are waiting for a commandment from the master. That we eagerly wait. Another piece of the truth puzzle found in the book Beyond the Deception is this. I do not create the plan of God, nor vote on his plan. I am not the one that can make anything good happen. It's a privilege to be used of and by him, not a burden. I've often heard people that have been involved in ministry talk about the hardships of ministry, the burdens of ministry. What if ministry is not a hardship or a burden, but a privilege? What if it's a privilege to be used of God in any way, shape, or form, since he does not need to use us for anything? When you think about it, God has no needs. He certainly doesn't need Dave Wager to do a program called Nighttime in order to get into your heart and your mind. If he chose, he could talk directly to you in the middle of the night. Far more effective and far more brilliant than anything I could ever say. But to be used of God to say anything is important. that important for God, important for me. When the Apostle Paul was jailed and shipwrecked, he found it to be a privilege to be used of God to share the gospel, the good news with those around him. All the apostles that followed Jesus ended up dying a martyr's death a privilege to die for the king. I think sometimes we can get involved in the woe is me attitude of life where we think because we have followed God that now we are second class citizens when it's the opposite that's true. We're children of the king. The interesting part of that is is that the king has no need of us but wants us. He wants to share the excitement with us of a life well-lived, of a life that is in tune with Him and His Spirit. God doesn't need Dave Wager. He wants him. I don't know how many times when I talk to men, I ask them how their time with God is going. So often... They tell me, well, I'm really busy right now. Well, then you're too busy doing things that don't matter. Because without the blessing of God, nothing will matter. It may seem temporarily like it matters, but... that's a deception. And when you think about deception, it's hard to correct because by the very nature of the word, you believe that it's true, so that's what makes it a deception. And why would you change something in your life that you honestly believe is true? Well, here's some truth that comes from somebody sitting all alone in a studio. God loves you. And in order to have a relationship with Him, You need to be intentional about the time you spend with him. Satan would love to distract us with other things that are meaningless. We need to be careful that we understand their meaninglessness. It's not evil to have tasks to do around the house. But if those tasks become the purpose of our life, then we have destroyed the relationships that God has put there for us to have in that home. And the house itself destroys the home. If our work becomes something that's so obsessive to us and that we neglect the relationships of life that we have the job for, then the job has become something that it shouldn't and even the working is right and acceptable and those who don't work should not eat. Something that has been good and ordained of God has now become what keeps us from God and from those we love. Each one of us has 24 hours a day and each one of us decides how those day time how that time is going to be used and we're not victims. I started the program talking about if you don't know God you're disappointed in him or angry with him and I believe that because if you know God if you really know him you don't get angry with him. You aren't disappointed in Him. You may not understand everything that God does and the timing that God works on, but the truth of the matter still lies that He does all things because He loves you. And it is not His problem if you choose to ignore Him because he has chosen not to ignore you if you seek him. Notice the if there, but if you seek him, that means you're making some kind of intentional choice to look for him. God doesn't want us to live our lives understanding the relational part and making that a priority because that's where all the power and all the success and all the eventual evaluation of our life will come from is how we work the relationships of life. Satan so often tries to infiltrate and get us to use what we should love and love what we should use putting us in a very dangerous spot Well, for now, the choice is yours and mine. I thank you for joining me on Nighttime. Again, this is Dave Wager from the studios of Relate365.com. We're on the campus of Nicolay Bible Institute and a camp called Silver Birch Ranch. I encourage you to look up those websites and see if we can serve you If you'd like to order these books that I'm speaking from or get in touch with us, you can go to the Relate365.com website and you can find a host of resources on that site that hopefully will encourage you. If you're ever interested in helping us keep this program available for free, I encourage you to do that at the Relate365 site as well. Good night, and thanks for joining me tonight.